The following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. So the question becomes, so there's two, if someone is relevant to these guys, obviously, but th even for a doctor, the question is, you're a doctor, you're on call, you go, you go to the hospital, which you're allowed to on Shabbat, um, because it's Pikuch Nefesh, so you get a, your beeper goes off, you go to the hospital now, what do you do? Can I come home? Do I have to give up my whole family, my whole Shabbat, and my, you know, uh, my meal, spending time with my family, how does that work? Um, there's, what, what would be the permission? If there's no, if, if you, again, you're needed, there's no question if you might be needed again, or you have to be in an area where they might you might get another call, you specifically, and they need you, so then of course you're allowed to do this because never. That wouldn't be the question. There's still a dang danger. Okay, there's still a chance they might need it. You have to get back so to the original location. So it would be less of an location. issue for a doctor on call because he, you know, yeah. it would be less of an issue for a doctor on call because he's more likely to be called again. Yeah. There are hundreds uh, of people. He's no, the doctor on call. No, uh, no, or even a, no. Let's say your call shift is over. Let's say your call shift is over at twelve o'clock on Shabbos. No, I mean and now. Yeah. It's all, now, can I go home and, and eat my meal with my family? That's the question. How does that work? Can I get back from the hospital? Can I go back? My, my shift finished on Shabbos. I understand, but typically so you're allowed to be there working on Shabbos, but now I'll it's call over. Call your call for twenty four hours. So maybe start Saturday morning at yes, eight. In a case where you get called at ten. You know, you're, if you're the guy on call, you're likely to be called again in the afternoon. Yeah, but it so doesn't mean you have to go home, so stay in the hospital. You could, like the bakery, <laughs> they'd keep you there for three months. You'd have to get to go home. And that's the question. Do I have to stay there the rest of Shabbos or not? Okay. No, the danger's over. Um, you're right, the doctor's on call. That well, we, The reason why these guys might have to go back, what I'm, scenario I'm thinking of is we, they have to know that the hospital's in a different neighborhood. So in order for them to have that initial response, that shorter response, they have to be in right. their neighborhood. Yeah. Get well, back to their, their, their base. I used to... You know, I practiced in a small town. If I'd get called out, I might not get called out again for three, four, or five days. Right. So. Uh, well, you don't know that going in. No, but but if I go in and, and do an emergency appendix or trauma case, then can I go home? Because I'm not likely going to have to stay there and take care of another case. Another part of the question is if five guys run out through an emergency oh. call and by the time the fifth guy is caught in there, yeah, the people he's, he's, he's all yeah, over. Exactly. Does he have to stay there all night? Exactly, right. right. So that, he that, never as we discussed, Shulchan Aruch says very clearly, a hundred people should run and violate Shabbat, even though only one of them is going to save him, but we don't know who's going to get there first. That's, by the, by the way, so what happens. Counts. Everybody wants to leave Shul, so when the beeper goes up, <laughs> you, get, uh, you literally have a hundred people, you know, they're out of there. They're very happy to be out of there, but... If you know, and then they get there, and most of the times, and that's an interesting question. I saw even a response of, "Do I call the guy?" Let's say I came to the call, and it was just some kid got a cut, everything's fine, uh, which probably is majority of their calls. Listen, my mother lives in assisted living. She calls, she calls them like four times a week. She's like, uh, you know, <laughs> right? So, so, um, and that's just her. And there's 150 people. In the so, um, so the question becomes, what happens the guy gets to the call and Shabbos, interesting questions, and, and he sees there's nothing. It's not because never. Should he get on the radio and tell everyone else not to come? Because that's, he's violating some level of Shabbat to, to stop them from coming. Should he do that or not? It's an interesting question. I don't know the answer to it. just saw the question. But, but it's, so it's a, there's a lot of questions that come up, obviously, and that's why they, it's interesting. The Atzal, the organization, has each one. They have to have a POSIC who knows these, these laws called because there's a lot of questions, like these type of questions that come up. So, uh, so let's see. So it all begins from a Mishnah. So it's, 
has everything in Torah, it's already discussed 2,000 years ago, there's nothing new under the sun. They had people wanting to get out of shul many years ago also. It's no, nothing new. Um, so the mission says like this, mission Irvin, it has Hebrew and English and Spanish um, on the papers here. So it says that the mission says like this, Misha Yatsa Bishus, someone who left the city on Shabbat, Bishus, that means he had permission, whatever the case was, we'll see, to leave the city, to travel on Shabbat, which normally he can't. And then, as exactly this question, as and then the, on the way, he gets to the location, they say, it's done. We don't need you anymore. Thank you very much. We don't need you anymore. So, here the context here, by the way, is Tchum Shabbat. Um, because the, there's a concept, let me just give a brief introduction to the concept of Tchum Shabbat, which is that uh, there's a, according to most, it's really rabbinical, as we're going to see. It's a rabbinical prohibition that uh, it's sourced, there is a concept of biblical and the same thing, but let's assume uh, on Shabbat it's only rabbinical, according to most authorities, that you can't if you travel on Shabbat outside the Tchum, that means there's a certain boundary around the city. Once you leave civ- uh, civilized, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, the urban area, you can't travel past a certain point. So it's, it's, it's only, I think you have 2,000 amas, which is cubits, I have no idea what that is in actual feet. But, uh, you have, so, you know, it's meaning, if you live in a city, Right. You can walk wherever you want within the city. But leaving the city limits is a problem, and rabbinically, they prohibited it, and they said if you did that, once you left the 2,000 hours, you have to stay there the rest of Shabbat, and you're stuck there. You only have four cubits that you can walk around. It's very, it's actually, it sounds crazy, but it's relevant. If you use a lot of cases, it's relevant. Some, first of all, for example, you're talking about walking on Shabbat. If um, where I went to rabbinical school, it's a small little town, there's no hospital in town. The next town over is where the hospital is. So everyone, their wife had a baby, or they, and they have to go on Shabbat, meaning they're going to visit her or someone else, so they have to walk to the other town. So there is loopholes, you have to put down a challah, it's like a whole uh, thing yeah. every 2,000 hours. I've done it. It's great. <laughs> so so also, it's an interesting concept. In, uh, in olden days, it's somewhat today too, most county hospitals are in bad neighborhoods. Yeah, but so still in the city. They're in an urban they're in the, But they're in bad neighborhoods, so if you have to stay there and you don't stay in the hospital, you're in trouble. It's like also relevant, by walk, the, or, you know. the other place is relevant is because even if, let's say, you take a flight, which has happened too many times, on Friday afternoon, and you land basically on Shabbat. So, what, so now, technically speaking, you didn't do anything wrong. You're on the plane. You didn't violate Shabbat. But since you came from outside the home, you, you only have four. You'd have to stay in the airport the whole Shabbat. Right. Besides not traveling, even if they you couldn't walk. Food. <laughs> so, there's, so there's a lot of cases. Okay, so now, so the mission says again, like this. So Misha Yatzeb Rishos, that means he left the Tchum Shabbat, on Shabbat, he left town to travel somewhere for a reason that he was allowed to violate Shabbat. Interesting that they used the new moon as one of the... Ah, so right, so go and Rashi says, One thing is the Talmud permits you to go out of the Tchum, um, to, in those days, they would have to, they didn't have a calendar, they would have to proclaim the new month based on the v- two witnesses saw the moon in the sky. So that was a very important thing because all the holidays revolve around that, etc. So they allowed, the eight, if someone saw the new moon, even on Shabbat, to walk over the Trump to tell the, to get to the Bet and to, to declare the new month. Okay, so that's number one. Or Rashi says, guys, agius, which I believe means to uh, to um, save yourself from soldiers, whatever. There's a life-threatening situation, so to save yourself from that life-threatening situation, of course, you're allowed to grow. Go, or There's a flood. Let's say, so, um, so you're you know, the, f- the rivers overflowing the banks. Of course, you can leave down. Dangerous. So if you did that, 
and then you know wherever well, let's say you're going to rescue someone really which is our case and then you find out you no longer need it um, you come to testify about the new moon and there was four guys before you testified so the, so they said in that case or it says a chachama balele or the same thing you have a, a doula or a midwife who comes to deliver a baby and then she comes and the baby's delivered okay which is very common also um, so says the Mishnah in those situations I say they tell him you no longer need it your, your services are no longer needed so he has 2,000 cubits he has to stay there but he has he can walk around 2,000 cubits he's not fined and the normal penalty is if you left a trum you only have 4 cubits to walk around in this case says the Mishnah since you went out with permission you were doing it as a rescue so you have 2,000 cubits today it's better because the guy will just hand you a pizza and so you can have something to eat while you walk around your 4 cubits so, I'm, so what you're saying is if he's in the middle of nowhere on a road he has to it's 2,000 cubits he has so to stay there Basically, listen, again, if it's dangerous that there's a, if it's a bad neighborhood or and he's not armed or if there's wild animals, whatever the case is, obviously that's a danger. We're not talking about we're talking about where you you're safe, here's a Walmart, you can hang yeah. out in the Walmart. These Walmarts are not so safe these days. No shelter or anything has to stay there? That's what I'm saying. If it's a safe area, if if it's yeah, ninety nine yeah. degrees, hundred ten degrees in in August in Houston, then that would be considered a danger. Obviously. But we're saying so if the airport would be a safe right, area. Right, the airport. Uh, somewhere right. where he's safe, so you could, you could only have you only have the two thousand on. Same as the chassid wandering in the airport. <laughs> You'll know why. It's three thousand feet. So three thousand feet. So it's three like quarters a of a mile. Especially right. going it's enough. Yeah. To, you know, it's not claustrophobic. Yeah. For the pizza. Listen, if you starve, you don't have food, and you're gonna die of dehydration. Of course, you could buy. You could. Right. <coughs> okay, so. Um, so he says 3,000 feet. He looked it up. Um, if he was within the Tchum, then we don't review it as he didn't leave anything and he's still like in the city and he's fine. As long as within 2,000 Amos outside of the city, then he can, he, it's like he never left the city and he can go back. He can go home. Um, the Mishnah continues. Um, now the last statement is a little troubling. It seems to contradict the previous statement. It says, Anyone who goes out for rescue can return back to their place. Okay, which seems to contradict the first statement. The first statement seems to be contradictory and the Gemara is going to ask this question. The first statement in the Mishnah says, you only have 2,000 Amas. Right? It says if you went out to, to s- with permission, you have 2,000 Amas wherever you get to when you um, fulfilled your mission or didn't fulfill your mission. Okay, and then the second part says, but if you went to, on a rescue, you can go back home. No problem. Return home. So the Gemara will explain as Rashi says. So now the Gemara is on the next page. Fine. Um, so the Gemara, which you have immediately the next paragraph, says like this. Quotes the same same page. Same page. Oh, the next page in my book. Teacher's edition. This is the just internet edition. Um... So it says like this. What is here? Okay, so it says like this. So we start in the second paragraph on the page here. It says anyone who's going out to rescue, that's the quote from the Mishnah, says the Gemara, meaning it's saying go back home. That means even more than 2,000 Amis. Right? The beginning of the Mishnah asks the Talmud, says, only up to 2,000 Amas. So what's going on here? How do you answer this? Contra- this seems to be contradictory statement. 
It doesn't mean you can go home. It means within the 2,000 Amas you can carry your weapons. That means we're talking about, let's say, a, a army unit or a security unit, the police, whatever it was, went out on a mission on Shabbat, which they're allowed to do, of course, it's because of Nefesh. And now the mission's over, they, sh- they neutralize the terrorists, everyone's dead. Um, the enemy's dead. So now, what? Are, so, so, can they return back to their base again? Of course, if it's necessary for security measures, they can. But if they're not, assuming that they neutralize the enemy, there's no one around, no more danger in this situation. So they have two thousand armors. What the second part is saying, they also they allowed to carry back their weapons, and because you would think, listen, who said they can carry? Carrying is also prohibited on Shabbat, so they have to leave. There's no one. There's no more danger. Leave your weapons there under a bush. You'll come back after Shabbat to get it. Which is a question also with the rescue, meaning they have equipment, they have a defibrillator. How does it work? So it says they can carry their weapons back. My kosher, what's the question? Maybe rescue is different. What's, what's the issue? Because um, um, maybe in the case where they went out to rescue, they're allowed to go back even beyond the 2,000 hours. What was the question? Ali Kasha Hakasha. That's not how we learned in a we learned in a different Mishnah. But Rishona, used to be when these um, patrols went out and they finished their mission, they would just stay in that spot for the rest till the end of Shabbat. They were stuck there. Okay, and what happened? There was a story. Um, it says Hiskin Rebbe Gamliel Zaken. Gamliel the elder gave them two thousand amas of ruach. And it wasn't limited to the, these army patrols, but even for a midwife, a doula, any case like this, he allowed them to do it. Someone who's coming to save from the... Let's just see how they translate. Here, guys. He's coming to rescue people from an attacking army, from a flooding river, as we said, or from a collapsed building, or from a fire. They are treated like the people of the city. And they have 2,000 cubits in every direction. Um, second, now I'm confused. So now the Gemara there asks the same question. Not more than that. They can go back home. Even more than 2,000 Amas. So this seems to contradict the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah. Which only allows two thousand amas. Some of you, the Maravi, answers the question. He says, "Shechosim klizayim mukomun." Because Italian, we learned in a brayso. So it was a story that happened. It seems like. Um, so it used to be when they went on a mission, they had like a shed, where when they finished their mission, they would leave their weapons in this in this little shed. Um, next to the wall of the city. So again, they would leave the wall. They would have to go out and fight the enemy. There was terrorists coming in. They would go out, neutralize them. It was Shabbat, they're allowed to do it. But then when they, instead of carrying back their weapons, which would be prohibited, they put the weapons in a shed. One Shabbat, um, so their enemies saw that they hid their weapons afterwards. After they they... They won this battle. They saw they're hiding their weapons in the shed. And they spotted them. And they came after them. They realized they're unarmed. So they chased them down. They chased them back into the city. These unarmed uh, rescuers, these unarmed militiamen. And um, so they all ran back to the shack to take their weapons. And it was a panic, obviously. And the enemies came in after them. And because of the panic in this little shed, everyone was trying to grab their weapon. So it was friendly fire, whatever the case was. And says many of them died. 
some, some people died in this story. So because of that, after that story, so the rabbis realized that there's an issue here. So um, it says the more friend, more people died from friendly fire than, than the enemies killed. So at that point, they said, they came out with a new ruling allowing one to return um, with their, carry their weapons, even though they're not going to need them again. Some shows they're not going to need them again that Shabbat, they're still allowed to carry their equipment back with them. Okay, and it continues, Nachman Yitzchak says, Lo, Kasha, he gives a different reason, depends on the case. In the case of Rosh Hashanah, we're saying that they weren't allowed to, um, to they only have 2,000 Amas, is talking about where the Jews were victorious, oh, they won the war. So now the show's over, there's the enemies beaten, there's no danger anymore. So that's why they, on, they only allow 2,000 Amas. The other case is where the enemy won the war. Okay, so therefore we're scared if the Jews are, are gonna only, only going to give them this militia, these 2,000 Amas, um, the enemy can come back and, and try to get them again. Okay, so that's, that's basically, I think, what we need to know, more or less. Okay, so now the question is, so uh, there's two really, two opinions here. One opinion saying it's only in a case where the enemies won that we allow them this extra leniency. Um, it would sound like because there's still an existing danger. And the first opinion saying, um, no, there's a special allowance for them to carry back, to come back. It sounds like even if there's no danger involved. Okay, and the question is which one would he rule like? So we'll get to that in a second. But Moshe um, Feinstein says, so, so, so again, let's see what the Shachanar says. So the, the, the issue becomes like this. First of all, if you look at this Gemara, it's really only talking about, according to most commentaries here, it's only talking about specifically um, rabbinic prohibitions, that they're only violating rabbinic prohibitions. You see nothing about biblical prohibitions. The question becomes, you know, the, many of the cases we're talking about, um, where you have to come back from a call in Shabbat, first of all, you, you're, if you're carrying, that's the question here, when it says carrying weapons, so most authorities learn it's just, it's talking about a place where there, it's only rabbinically prohibited to carry. The only time it's prohibited to carry um, biblically is a, what's called a public domain, Rishut Rabbim, which means you have to have 600,000 people passing there every day, something like on the 610 would be a biblical prohibition. Everywhere else, if you just live in a plain neighborhood, it's only rabbinically prohibited to carry out on Shabbat. Okay, it's important to know. That's why the Erev, it works because the Arab is a rabbinical thing. Words, the rabbis can't permit something that's biblically prohibited, so they wouldn't. Arab wouldn't work on six ten or on, on in a real public domain. An Arab only works to permit carry in a rabbinical, rabbinically prohibited domain. If you saw uh, a few weeks ago, I was I met the mayor, had a meeting with the mayor about this. Um, we was in the Herald. If no one reads the Herald there. I don't either. Um, <laughs> thank God. Uh, so the, the the we had a meeting with the mayor because in order to create the Erev, so we had to explain to the mayor this whole concept of carrying, etc. So um, he, he basically leases us different parts of the city, Jews control the world, um, and uh, we, we own different parts of the city, we had to make a contract with him. So I went to the mayor's office to do it, whatever the case was. So the bottom line is, the, the seemingly here, all the prohibitions we're talking about, like we said, Tchum Shabbat, is only rabbinical, it's all rabbinical prohibitions. So the question is to permit someone, even if you want to say we rule like this story, but to permit someone, we don't see a biblical violation here in any which way, okay? So it would seem like from this, there wouldn't be a hetero, let's say driving back or carrying in a public domain, um, let's say in a place, in a highway, which is considered a public domain, would be a problem, a biblical prohibition. So could they do that? Can they carry their equipment, etc.? So the, what's interesting here is there's a toast vote, which you don't have on your page. Toast was one of the commentaries here. 
and he discusses, he asks the question, there's another Gemara in, in a different tractate, in tractate Beitza, which discusses um, different things. This must come up in Israel, actually, since they have wars with soldiers, some of them are religious. This must come up in Israel. Right, so the, the assumption is in Israel, it's in any time soldiers are off their base, it's probably dangerous. Meaning, again, there's no question if there's a present danger, you can do whatever you want. So if, so if someone's on a real mission on Shabbat, you know, you, you went to Hebron, and just because you caught one terrorist, there's still 60,000 more there. So, you, so of course you're going to be allowed to do, you know, to go back to your base. You don't want to be stuck in the middle of Hebron. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have, uh, you know, five Jewish soldiers. To you. Yeah. Right. So that's not a question. So it's really less relevant there. In most cases, there are, I'm sure there are some cases. Yeah, you police go somewhere, it's a false alarm. More for police than the army. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is, if you're in a Arab village, it's always dangerous. It's always good. You, know, you don't want to hang out there. Rest of Shabbat. No, but it could be a Jewish village where they think there's a terrorist there. You go, there's yeah, no uh, terrorist. Yes, you know. exactly. exactly. Yes. Well, I'm sure, yeah, there are many relevant cases. Um, but uh, so, bottom line is also, again, the question there becomes if they're going to be needed again for another right. case. Right. They have to be on base or whatever. So, now, so Tosa said like this there's a Tosa here that discusses, there's another Tom, piece of Talmud, which I didn't print out, which discusses there are certain things that the rabbis permitted was called Hitiron Sofa Mishum Tchilasa, that they gave you leniencies because of the concern of the future. Meaning, he gives some examples here, and it's a, it's a list, the Gemara and Beya lists three different cases, and we're not going to get into all of them, but one of them is, for example, they allowed, allowed you to shecht on Yatif, normally, um, sorry, they allowed you to, when you, you're allowed to slaughter an animal on Chag, not on Shabbat, not on Take Elephant, but in order to eat, Anything for food purposes is permitted on a chag, on a holiday. Okay, so for example, slaughtering those slaughter animals on the chag. Um, problem is, you slaughter the animal. There's another. There's usually you take that. You use the hide also. In those days, you had an animal. You want to get every part. So the hide you'd have to dry out. You lay it out in the sun. You dry it out. That's prohibited rabbinically on Shabbat. Um, but the rabbi said, listen, we don't want people are not going to slaughter. They're not going to enjoy the chag. They're not going to have fresh meat. On, on, on the Chag, they're going to be eating beef jerky instead of fresh meat, and therefore we allow them to spread out the hide on the Chag, which is a rabbinical prohibition, in order that they should have shecht. Otherwise, people are not going to be slaughtering their animals. Okay, that's one example. So, the, the language that Talmud uses there is Tiron Sofon Mishum We permit the end result because of or actually we permit the we permit you to do something now because of a future consequence so even though right now it's not relevant but since we're scared you're not going to slaughter your animals same thing it discusses actually Cohen who gets uh, taken off a bandage on Shabbat and putting it on which is not a case of real danger but we allow him to do it because we want him to do the avoda otherwise he's not going to do the service in the temple so many such cases so Tosa says how come this case here is not listed in the in that list over there in Be'er and that's Tosa's question, meaning we have a list of things that the rabbis permitted now because of the future, because we want to prevent something from happening in the future. So how come this is not on the list? So Tosa, for whatever reason, this is not such a... didn't make the list. Okay. Whatever his answer is. So Moshe Feinstein wants to deduce from this an unbelievable thing. He wants to deduce from this Tosa. He says that Tosa, according to Tosa, it would seem to say that this is on the list. That uh, meaning it should be on the list. For whatever reason, they left it off that list. But meaning you see what the, what's the rationale behind this Gemara here? What are we concerned about? We're concerned. We don't want... Well, the question is, why are we so concerned? So they'll stay there for Shabbos. Not the end of the world. 
they they'll you know they they'll eat. They have their food. They, you know someone will come and take care of them. Some old lady's going to bring them uh, chalun. You know we're not, what what are we? Why are we so concerned that they have to get back on Shabbat? They so won't he, do it again. Ah, so so so, so Feinstein deduces from this Tosfos, he understands that the rationale behind it is when you're scared in the future they're not going to go as quickly to this call. Meaning these whatever they are in this case the militia whatever it is. But if they realize they're going to be stuck there in some godforsaken place for Shabbos, their wife's going to be pissed off that they missed the Kiddush and they're having guests come and there's no one to wash the dishes, whatever the case is. So, so therefore, he's not going to run as quick. right? If the guy gets a call in the middle of Friday night, he's going to end up in some hospital in Manhattan. It's a three-hour walk home. He's stuck there for the rest of Shabbat. So the next time his, his walkie-talkie goes off, he's not going to be as excited to get up at 2 a.m. and be stuck there for the, for the next, you know, it's the, it's the summer, it's the winter. Sorry, it's the summer. And the Shabbat is over 9, 9 p.m. That means he's stuck in Manhattan until 9, you know, almost 24 hours later. So, therefore, since they're not gonna, they're not gonna go as quickly, they're not gonna answer the call. So, therefore, he tiro, we allowed them to come back because of a future thing. He's saying that's what I, he sees from Tosas as this concept, and therefore he permits. He has a long, lengthy response in permitting um, the Hatzalah guys to drive back, literally, to drive back on Shabbat after the call's over. They're not obliged to drive back. They just have permission. To yes. Drive back. Yeah. We're not saying you should. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you don't want to go back for kiddush. <laughs> Depends on the family. Yes. <laughs> it's really true. interesting how you know if you could try. Although I think it would be a super stretch, but you could try to expand this loophole to say you know someone, um, let's say uh, a Joe is going to save uh, a lot of orphans in Israel and has committed to donating a million dollars to save orphans in Israel. Poverty and feeding them and educating them. Um, but the only way that he can do that is to actually keep his business open on Shabbat. To actually make the money to in the future save this orphanage right. in Israel. So, so the question is, you know, can we broaden this loophole to say that oh, anything sorry. in the future that might be part of saving a life. Hey, so that's that's so it's a great question. So first of all, as we're gonna see no one agrees with Ramosha Feinstein. <laughs> we're gonna get but but even though we in America we rely on him because he was posted, but everyone rips him to shreds, but we'll talk about it in a second. But besides that, even Ramosha Feinstein is just saying, meaning he we don't have all he's saying is I see Tosvot understands this is the case, meaning it's, it's, it's literally the same case. No, it's, yeah. Of course, he's not saying we can extrapolate to a totally a different situation. No, we could only do what the rabbis themselves permitted for future, if we see the same analogous case, so he's, he's seeing that. And if, because the Gemara itself, you don't necessarily see that. First of all, the Gemara itself is not explaining the rationale. According to one opinion, it's only because there's a current danger. And, and as we'll see, as we said, most of everyone is only permitting the Rabbans, the rabbinical law. What he sees from Tosa, since he's comparing it to that list, somehow he's deriving even biblical, but he's saying the case, well, even he, even Ramosha Vainstein, who's permitting it, is only the specific case that the Talmud is discussing. He's saying the cases are analogous. The question becomes, so now to broaden it, no one says that, but uh, you can be the first one. No, it's just... Yeah, yeah, I'm saying meaning the rationale is the same rationale. Yeah. The rationale is... You're going to save a life. We're going to prevent something, we want to prevent loss of life in the future and therefore now we're going to do something now so so it's a, it's a valid I mean, I, it's a valid I know issue it's pushing it yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah same but 
Oh, okay, so now, yeah. so now, so the question, the Rosh Hashanah, again, he has a, it's like a five-page response. I'm not going to read it to you, but he basically deru- extrapolates from this Tosfot this issue of uh, um, he has a true written in 1978, which was the beginning of Atzal. I'll just read you the question, and the title of the response is Yatsu Latzil. People go out to rescue Matai Mutarin Lachzor Bimkoman. Why are they allowed to return to their place? So I'll just read you the question. The first paragraph. He says. Excuse me, this is written in 1978. It says, He's talking about, this is, I guess, when Atzala was first formed. It says, They they made a group in New York or Brooklyn. Um, New York, I guess, means Manhattan. A, a group that saves lives. Um, many times it happens, because Israel I'm not sure what that means. Someone, since we have many Jews in this area, someone in their home or in the street, Posek Melinshom stops breathing. When you bring immediately, he says, uh, when he calls an oxygen tank, which uh, I guess in those days before the defibrillators. Chamsin? It's called Mechal Chamsin. Chamsin is oxygen. Yeah. Some oxygen tank. And other equipment, that immediately helps them. Who at Salagadol? It's a great uh, rescue. Some sometimes they're not necessary anymore, and then sometimes he says it helps. That at least it helps their coming there. That they can take him to the hospital. Where even seconds matter in rescue. They even knew that in 1978. To save the guy's life. Without that, until the doctors come from the hospital, the ambulance, until it will be too late to save the guy. So he says, It's a beautiful thing, it's a great thing. And they should be thanked for this, and they should be blessed, etc., etc. Okay, for helping these people. Then, so what's the question? And it goes on. Um, he says, when it happens on Saturdays and holidays, you can get three or four calls, two or three calls on Shabbos. Night, day, it's all the same. There's no question they have to violate Shabbat and take the oxygen tanks or whatever else they need to the place where the patient is. Take it immediately. Whether it's a close place, um, Okay, so he says, uh, and they can carry it, no question, even in a public domain, and anything else they have to do, um, whether using electricity, etc. They can drive. So he says, even though you're adding many malachos, um, by pressing on the gas, you, you're doing a lot of stuff. He says, I feel kind of nitchim nefesh. Of course, that's pushed aside for bikoch nefesh. I feel it's a fake rachok, even though it's maybe a 1% chance is a danger. No question, they have to get there and do what they do. Um, he says, in Baritza, he says, even though they can technically, in some cases, they can run there. They don't need a car. They can run there. Yaf, it's a close place. But uh, when he says that they're going to run there, they'll be out of breath. Or they'll be tired and out of breath. They're not going to be able to do it. He says, therefore, oh, even if it's very close, themselves. they should drive. <laughs> even if there's non-Jews or Gentiles available to drive, 
they can drive the car for them. Ofen Shemaker, he says, puts in parentheses, he says, in a place where you recognize that they're not going to steal the equipment, those Gentiles. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, Vadei Tov, Sheyikach has an is Brooklyn, a tough neighbor. So he says, of course it's good that they, um, in a case where you have, you know that non-Jewish driver will go just as quickly, and he'll drive you just quickly, then there's no question, you should, then you should do that. Avo, Shubalayla, it's in the night, or in a day. Shaina Ro Nachri, you know, there's no there's no one around. Shemakiro, by the way, this happened uh, this week. My daughter gave birth in Jerusalem, so they it was on Shabbat. She went to labor, so they actually had a number of there's an Arab guy who drives you to the hospital and he drives you um, to the hospital. So they called she called the guy and the guy said, Oh, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so then they just called a taxi. So they live in a in a Haredi neighborhood where the streets are closed. The guy said, can you meet me, uh, you know, up the street? <laughs> so, <laughs> so she said, no, I'm in labor, I'm, you know, I can't meet you up the street, come in the neighbor. He said, I'm going to get killed. So they, when he came, he moved, you know, you have to move the barriers. It's like, oh, there's barriers on the street. But uh, the point is, so if you, if you can get a non-Jew to drive you, especially in the case of labor where there's no, you know, there's no emergency usually, so, so it's better to do that. So they tried it. It didn't work, so they got the Jewish taxi driver. Um, so we have forgot these to be the Yisviyama. So he says, even though the Gemara says better not to use Gentiles because we don't think their response time is going to be as quick, okay, um, in that situation. Um, so he says, and the Taz rule like that, but um, he says it's better if you could, if there's no difference, if you know for sure there's no difference in response time, then use the Gentile. Anyway, so then he talks about this question. So he goes through the whole thing. Then he says, But the major question here is, Can they return to their home? From the place of the patient. When it's far away. And they can't walk back. It's not so far um, where they could walk. It's, it's at night. It's dangerous uh, neighborhood, as he mentioned. So there's uh, murderers around. To stay there the rest of Shabbat, to stay there even till the daytime, and he'll have to, it's the middle of the night now, he doesn't want dangerous to walk at night, he'll wait till the morning. We're concerned, he says, if you're going to have to wait a large amount of time, his neighbor, which means his wife, calls the family, they're not going to let him go next time. She's going to say, you're not leaving. The guy who has me is rational. He himself might, uh, you know, be a little lazy next time if we make him stay overnight. Do we allow him to drive back in his car in Shabbat? So, um, so he says, it's obvious in a case where there's a, you know, he might be needed again or he needs the bus again. So he need the ambulance and there's no question. There's another oxygen machine. There's another, there are plenty of equipment around and uh, there's other defibrillators. They don't need him to bring it back. To the to the base to the garage. There's other volunteers around. So then it becomes this question. So then he starts again. He quotes Al Gamara, and he ends up permitting it. Now, um, so I'm not going again. It's just five pages, very in depth. Um, but no one, everyone disagrees with him. Um, Why? So so they all say first of all a few things. One is the first thing is we don't see anywhere anything here about permitting biblical prohibitions. We only find the saying if you look at this Gemara, it's all so talking about the public part where he says he can go through. Yeah, he's saying you could drive. Driving right. technically right. is a biblical you're lighting a fire in the distance unless you have a Tesla, and unless Tesla's not less of a problem. You get a Tesla, so um, uh, right, there's no uh, spark plugs in a Tesla. No spark plug. Beautiful. See that? That's why. Yeah, but it's um, got a battery. 
Yeah, but it's not the same. It's not fire. I mean, it's no, you're not creating fire. I'm not Whatever, arguing I, one way or the other here. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the point is like this. So, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but their stock is down. <laughs> so the bottom <laughs> line is, fire in the stock. Um, so, so the reason why they, w- number one is everyone says you don't find any one who permits a biblical prohibition. That's number one. Number two is he's even the comparison that those are saying again to Bea to that other Gemara. Except list. when they do. No, but no one talks about biblical meaning. Moshe Feinstein is the only one. He's applying it to case of biblical. He's understanding because of that list and that analogy saying even biblical prohibitions. We're saying, so we all say, where do you get this from? Number two is, it's actually there's a, there's a fascinating response from Shlomo Zaman Orbach. And he writes very nice. In the beginning he says, um, before writing this response, and I asked permission from Moshe Feinstein if I can argue on him. See, he respected him so much, he was in Israel, but he, and he vehemently rips him to shreds, but he says, I asked him permission before, I got permission to argue, and he said, it's okay, I can What's the argument? So he, he said he got permission, or he said he asked for permission? He asked for permission No, he said, argue. I received permission well, to received argue, permission. yeah. But what, what's the argument? So, so I'm telling you, one is we don't find any source for to violating biblical prohibitions yeah, because of this rationale. No, it's not... Again, it's not it's really the same life. life. The future. This is the coming it's, back. This it's is saying future. because the guy next time, his wife might be upset, and and and. Yeah, if you want to encourage so him to save a life in the future. I understand that's the rationale, that's but the question is, <coughs> no, no, no. But we don't permit you to violate a biblical. The rabbis are saying in all these cases, only let's say we're saying spreading out the hides. We allow you to shut on uh, spread out the hides on yatif, and to make sure you're, you're having fresh meat. That's a that's a rabbinical prohibition that we're allowing. Because in all the cases that we allow. Sure. Now, something today, because of the future, is rabbinical prohibition. That's number one. Number two is, he says, it's ridiculous, how far do you take it? He says, let's say, they're going to tell me, the guy, when he's uh, when the call goes off, he says, this is what Shalom Zalman says about arguing on Rebbe he says, when the call goes off, you're going to tell me that, uh, listen, the guy's allowed to open the light in his closet on Shabbat because, uh, you know, it's, he wants a nice shirt. If he was outside with a non-iron shirt, next time he's not going to, you know, he has to take his, you know, stained shirt. Next time he goes on the call, he might not go as quickly because he's not looking pretty. He goes, how far do you take it? He's saying, it's a ludicrous thing to say that we allow someone to violate biblical law because next time... He might, you know, he wasn't comfortable because he didn't get his child on Shabbos. So we're gonna. So therefore, next time he might not go as quickly. I mean, how far do you take it? He says. So let's say the guy says, or the guy wants the scrubs and he can't find them. So he's gonna allow him to turn on the light to find the scrubs. And he's saying it's ludicrous. He's saying he knows, where do you draw the right. line. His point is, once you bit, once you permit this, like you're saying, it's endless. You can say anyone could do anything. You know, he needs his. He has to. You know, like we said, it's, it's like it's the surgeon smoking. Right, do you allow right. a surgeon to smoke to do better surgery? Yes, how far? Yes, so how far do. do you draw the line? That's really the question. There is so he's no saying, line with the line. So how is this resolved? So one's like, yeah. It's the same thing we have in in American jurisprudence, and that's the you know proximate cause. How right. how far? Do how, how far does causation go <coughs> in a lawsuit? And they use the term proximate cause. So, how many times removed can can you still lay the blame on the event? Can we ultimately blame Darwin? Right. <laughs> well, we're not talking about going out to save the life. We're talking right. about coming, coming back. back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, no, it's going out again. Or if there's a day, there's any one percent chance he's going to be needed again. Of course, he's allowed to go back again. The question is only. There's no chance. There's 300 volunteers. They're all dying to get out of shul. This guy can stay in the hospital. They even have the, you know, they have kosher food in all these hospitals. It's not like, but maybe you know, he's the best. Uh, okay. The bucky. 
I'm saying you're right. So in the case like that, if you're a surgeon, you're going to be needed. Your expertise, you might. So Feinstein saying he so could go back. So Feinstein says, our yeah, says no, we can't. Orbach and everyone basically, Rad Yosef. Matter of fact, there's a tshuva from the Tzitzeliazer. What, what is their, uh, their rationale? So again, the rationale is the guy's not going to be needed. Two anymore. things, two main problems they have is one is we don't find allowance of a biblical violation for the future, only rabbinical. Not, not that saving life is not biblical. Of course saving life is biblical, but we're saying all these cases that the Talmud discusses is only where they, we allow them to violate a rabbinical law because of the concern of the future. Like carrying in a caramel leaf. Um, carrying uh, what? In a, in a non-public domain, yeah, yeah. which is rabbinical. So in other words, we only see that even the case where they carry the weapons is only rabbinical. So That's number one. The, the, the second main thing is where do you draw the line? Because it's endless. The guy is going to say, yeah, you know, I need a shave before. I don't want to go to the hospital you know, without a shave on Shabbat. You know, well, the nurse is not going to like me. One second. Let me so he's saying, so you let's, okay, so let's let the guy shave before he goes out. Let him take a, you know, let's take a shower. He needs to go to the Schwitz first. He has to work out. Was, How far, where do you draw the line? You know, he's not going to go again if he doesn't have a chal with meat in it. In, the, in this hospital, and have vegan chal. You know, like it, he needs five types of herring on chal. But the question Ralph Feinstein is addressing is: How do you draw the line? The guy it's a goes valid out. Statement. The guy goes out. Yeah. And there is no need for him. There's no one percent chance. Oh, or he finished the call. He finished the call. Oh yes, yes. And now, but it's the case where there is no need. Yes, hundred percent. There's not even a one percent. There's a one percent right. need. So now, and, and, and Rav Feinstein yeah. is saying he can go back. Go back home because why? The, again, the rationale. Next time he might not go. Not, his wife's not going to be happy if him running out okay. of the house next time. Or he time. won't be. Because right. she's going to be stuck with the kids at home the whole time. So. So that's not saying a it's totally a unreasonable argument. A case where he's no longer needed that day. Which is unreasonable. <coughs> Our backs are if he's not no longer need. It's a ca special case where he's no longer going to be needed that day. So, so our says you're stuck in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. three hours away right. from your family. Now that, so it's not that sounds bus. terrible. It's it's uh, also <laughs> I would not uh, do that the has a two that's, <laughs> Yeah, that's the reason it's okay. But, exactly. But if that's there was a danger to that guy, wherever he winds yeah. up, no, like, oh, danger on. again. Right. So this is a case where there's no danger. Zero danger. No chance he's going to need again. Just issue. His wife's going to be upset. Which is The only issue is that his wife's going to be upset. Our back is totally unreasonable. That's true. Not so sure. Completely. The only issue is the guy's wife's going to be upset. So, like, that's who, that's the reason so we to commit him to violate Shabbat because your wife's going to be upset. Then everyone. It's not just about your violate. wife. It's you're not going to want to run out again uh, either. So, is it? I mean, you're going to want to miss Shul. You're right. But other than that, yeah. you're not. So, so exactly. So, I'm just telling you, Tzitzeliazer, who's a, who's a um, Waldenberg, he also um, goes back and forth, and he says he says it's prohibited. But he says, you know, if someone wants to rely on it, yes, shall me His language is. You have someone to rely on, meaning Ramosh Feinstein doesn't right. mention by name. Ravavad Yosef has a response him. I'm speaking of Ravavad Yosef, and he says, he says very clearly, no There's no one to rely on that would permit such a thing, meaning he totally disagrees. Dismiss. Yeah, it's he dismisses the whole concept. Uh, so, uh, hey, here's an example. You're, you're on call instead of, say, starting 8 in the morning. You're on, say, starting Friday at noon until yeah. Saturday at noon. Yeah. You get a call. Uh, at uh, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, you go in, you take care of the problem, right. and you're off call at noon, but it's right. still Shabbos. Right. Is it totally... Oh, so one second, so, but I want to get to that. So that even, they discussed that. Remotion finds is only discussing at Salaire. The question is, how does it apply to physicians? That's because that's a different question. I'll tell you why. Because mm -hmm. what they discuss is, and there's, there's old response about this from the 1700s already, which is that if you're getting paid, it's your job, you, you don't have the excuse of not going in. I actually spoke to Baruch Brody about this one. Meaning, 
Because uh, Atzala guy, listen, he's a volunteer. So next time his wife's going to be like, you're not getting paid. And he's like, what do you need this problem? Plenty of other people that want to leave shul. You don't have to be the one. Right? And his wife's going to be upset. To so if you're getting see, paid. But I'm saying getting paid might be a different situation because you don't have that excuse because you're not going to be late. You have no choice. You have to be there because that's your job. So you're not, you don't necessarily have the rationale that I'm not going to go again. Yeah, well, you know, that's the, the question. call comes at 11 o'clock instead of 10. Yeah, I need, Maybe I need someone else to <laughs> So you're right. So that's the question. And it's not clear. Meaning, so much finds it doesn't really address the doctor. I think it's so doctor. clear. This is like, not, even for a this is not even ambiguous in my even mind. Even for a physician? I don't think it's that clear. For a physician, it's clear. No, the, but you hear the concept that I, you're I getting really paid, don't, I don't hear then the you problem. don't have a choice. Cause I think it's the same thing, because, for example, I had the question that I discussed with Bob Brody was, let's say a family member. So meaning, I went with my wife, so let's say the case she was in labor. Then I, I said, I want to be stuck with her the whole Shabbos, you know, with my wife. So I want to go back home, I take care of the kids. Well, let's say, right, if the kids are, you know, there's no babysitter, the kids, you left the kids in the middle of the night, they don't even know there's no one there in the morning. So, yeah, and if there's a danger to the younger kids, of course you let to go. Kids home yeah. alone. But if there's older kids, it's just not going to, so can I go home? Do I have this center? No, because mm-hmm. next time my wife is in danger, I'm going to take her no matter what. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not... I don't think the rationale applies to a private person taking their family member. That they can come back after they drop their family member off because they're not going to go slower. They're going to right. Of course. So, so again, so, so the question is, a doctor a will, if it's his job is to go, he's going to have to go no matter what. He doesn't have the rationale. The rationale is not necessarily applicable. That's the question. I, Some I'm say it's the even Hatzala. Like, it, there's no ambiguity in my mind here. It's very simple. No, they're going and then they can come back. That's, that's like you in your mind. So you agree it's with very clear, But it's like not even You're a question. What I have a question, for this is saving a life, for me I have a question is broadening this concept because what do you, yeah, here, what here, if here. you, no, but in a yeah. different way, what if you're in charge of some civic responsibilities such as the electricity power plant, no, the electrical oh. power grid, and you're in charge of the electricity in Houston, and you're an Orthodox Jew who wants to keep Shabbat and everything, and but what do you do if there are threats of losing power, and therefore there's potentially threat to human life? Yeah. Is oh, it yeah. in a Jewish neighborhood? No, <laughs> no. That's a different question, but, it, but, but I hear it's you. the same idea. Yes. So there, of course, that that again, that's a danger. If there's a danger, there's no. We're not discussing electricity. There's a danger. We're not discussing. The question is coming back. It's only again, I, I know, very clear, no danger. To me, it's the same going and coming back. Okay, so that's what Rabbi Feinstein exactly seems to be saying, but he, and he agrees with you, but or you agree with him, but uh, but the others it's don't the agree. Now, so bottom line is, what's done today, from what I understand, is um, in most cases, the Hatzalah, what they do is they have a non-Jew drive them back. That's the compromise position, which is they don't drive their own cars back, so they'll leave their car, but they ha- or they have a driver. Meaning, so the way, let's say, for example, in Lakewood, the way it works is when there's a call, so the Jews go to the call, they have a guy who they pay, a non-Jew on Shabbat, who also comes to the call in his own car. He, he's in the same... He takes he has, equipment back with him, too? And he and what he does, he drives, let's say, there's a false alarm, so he'll drive the bus back. And he'll drive the guys back to their homes and drop them off. What about their cars? They leave the cars there. How do they Again, get their cars? Saturday night, they go and get their cars. Well, no, or he'll drive their car back, or he'll come back, he'll drive it back. Depending, I don't know the details. I mean, what a no, so this would be a case where they're yeah, not needed, they will yes, not again, be needed that exactly. day. Yes, again, exactly. enough volunteers. This is so the point is, in my mind. No, so the point is that then, you know, it's very easy. The guy's there. He's on the call with them. What is that? It's the same amount of time. It's Why? It's the same. It's the same exact.
MP3 project from the Jewish Ethnic Institute. For a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j-ethics.org. Shalom. Shalom.